Hey guys, this is David. We wanted to let you know about an exciting opportunity we don't want you to miss out on. We are hosting our annual Awaken Conference Labor Day weekend in Dallas, Texas. Join 4,000 other young adults from all over the country and world to be a part of seeing an awakening of the hope of the world, which is the church of Jesus in our generation. Go to theporch.live to get a ticket before they sell out. Hope to see you at Awaken 2022. from and I want to welcome Ports Live, Fort Worth, Midland, Indy, Boise. We are kicking off a brand new series, Anti-Suppressants. What does that mean? I'll explain in a second. Let me read the text that we're going to be in tonight and then give us a little bit of a, a recent event in my life that'll set us up for where we're going really in this series. This comes from Matthew chapter 18. It's a conversation between Jesus and his disciples. And here's what happens. Verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Up to seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, and he launches into a parable or a story or an analogy to explain what he means. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. So he's got a lender, gave out some money, time to settle those debts. In the process, one of the debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, everything he owed to pay the debt. That's a bad day. But the man fell down before the master and begged him, please be patient with me, I will pay it all. Then the master was filled with pity for him, or mercy, and he released him, and he forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went and found a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. You better Venmo me right now and his fellow servant fell down before him and he begged for a little more time and he says the same thing to this man who just had his debt crossed out. Be patient with me, I'll pay you back. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were upset. They went to the king and told him everything that happened. The king called in the man He had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have shown mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid all of his entire debt. And that's what it will be like with my heavenly father for those of you who who refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. 
about a year ago, I got given a cooler as kind of a Christmas gift at Watermark one time a year. Leadership will bust out and give something. And it was a cooler, and I didn't have a cooler, especially not like, you know, Yeti coolers. And this is like the poor man's version of the Yeti cooler, and then it's the Arctic. It's supposedly as good as the knockoffs, but dude, I didn't care. I needed a cooler, and so this is great. And so a little bit of time went by, and my family and I, we went on a trip and went out to this friend's lake house, and we brought the cooler, loaded it up with food. Everything's going great. Great trip. Come back home, unpack, move on with life. Three months later, we're going to go on another trip. I go out to the garage to get the cooler, gonna load it back up with food. I open up the cooler, and I had left meat for not three days or three weeks, but three months in that cooler. And it was a smell, and I've got like half of my smell anyways back from COVID, and it was a smell that was overwhelming despite that, and I was like, oh my goodness, so I take the meat out, and my new cooler that I was so excited about, I begin to go into you know, solution mode. How am I gonna get rid of this smell? So I'm looking up on you know, Googling, how do you get rid of? Somebody said you take magazines and rip them up and throw them in there. That doesn't work at all. I tried other solutions, you know, baking soda in there, washed it out multiple times, and to this day, nothing has worked. It is horrible smelling. And so, yeah, people are gonna throw out their solutions. We can talk afterwards. But the point is, I left in this container, something from the past, something from an event, and it contaminated it. In other words, in just a little bit of time, something that was left over from a past event was left inside, and it led to impacting the future use of this cooler and contaminated it. Now, what does that have to do with what we're going to talk about? Well, our heart in this series is that in a very similar way that someone can leave something in a cooler and without removing that or dealing with it, over time, you're going to see, experience the effects of it. In a similar way, all of us are on a journey called life, and in the midst of life, there are certain events that happened. And they leave something inside of not a cooler, but of our heart and of our soul. And if they're not dealt with, they're gonna contaminate and impact the future. So our series, and this series, is to not suppress those things. Everyone's familiar with antidepressants and people who've experienced a battle of depression. And this is not about that at all. It's about antisuppressants, which is God's design for healing. And part of the antisuppressant, in other words, that you would not suppress some of those events, some of the deep pain that you've experienced in life, and in order to do that, you can't suppress it, you've got to address it. And that's what we're gonna walk through inside of this series. And I think God is going to do something in some of your lives that you're gonna look back for the next 40 years. And it will be you applying God's word as we're gonna examine it from the scripture. That's gonna change the trajectory of your future marriage, the future parenting, the future life that you're gonna have because of what he's gonna do in this series. Candidly, a few weeks ago, we had a night where we had this moment of talking about shame and how in Christ we're free from anything defining us other than Jesus. If you're a Christian, whatever your story is, whatever your past sin, present sin, future sin, you are no longer defined by those shames. And we just had all of us write out on different index cards and we threw them in these boxes saying, that doesn't define me anymore. And our team, I told you, was gonna go through and just pray over and pray that God would give you the freedom to believe that and release that. And as we went through and read them and just prayed over, it was very abundantly clear the amount of pain, 
trauma, hurt, that is represented in all of our stories. And nobody in life often teaches us how do we deal with that. You go through school and you learn how to do algebra, but nobody teaches you how do you deal with the fact that your dad wasn't ever around. How do you deal with the fact that you had people make comments about you at a young age and that created an insecurity that led to an eating disorder for years? How do you deal with the fact that you never got the affirmation from a parental figure in life and so you've been looking for it anywhere you can find it, only to come up empty? How do you deal with big and small hurts? And so tonight, I want to talk about the conversation of forgiveness. And let me just open it up. This is such a huge topic and has such life-changing, trajectory-changing importance that we're going to cover two weeks. It just was too much to cover a high-level understanding of why we forgive as Christians, what it even means to forgive, which is what we're going to cover tonight, and then very practically how we're going to forgive. So if you leave tonight and you're like, man, I feel like I kind of left something on the table, that's because this is a message that is broken down into two parts, where we're gonna look through what God says about forgiving. But this message and the idea of forgiveness and the ability to forgive is going to shape your future marriage. Candidly, the reason why some of you are gonna end up not making it in marriage or the relationship will fall apart is because you will not have put into practice the ability to get rid of bitterness, to deal with hurts, and so we're gonna walk through, again, a powerful, profound teaching that Jesus gives. And tonight we're gonna to cover why we forgive and look at three reasons the Bible commands as Christians. If you're not Christian, man, this doesn't apply to you. You're welcome, we're so glad that you're here. But I'm talking very specifically to Christians who have been called by God to practice the habit of forgiveness. So I'm gonna walk through these three things again that we see in Matthew chapter 18 as we look at what Jesus' radical teaching on forgiveness says. And it starts with Peter coming up to Jesus and asking him a question. Remember the question before we launch this in the story? He says, Lord, how many times if somebody wrongs me, I don't want to mean names or name names, I'm talking about James, John, Bartholomew, if they wrong me, how many times do I forgive them? Like, where's the line? When do I begin to go, nope, uh-uh, out of my life, forget you, I'm done, up to seven times? Now, my hunch is that Peter is saying this thinking, like, I'm patting myself on the back, that it would be so generous of, to do seven. Why do I say that? Because rabbinic teaching or the teaching of the time was up to three times. And Peter says, I'm not just doing three. I'm going to double it plus one. How you like them apples? What do they look at me now? And Jesus says, no, Peter, not seven times. Seventy times seven times. As in translation, there's no end to the call to forgive. The first reason that you and I are, are to forgive, a reason why is because God has commanded it. And now let me unpack exactly why that's important before I explain what forgiveness is. Because the reason people balk at, oh, well, God commanded it, that feels so invalidating, is because you think that forgiving is forgetting or pretending it didn't happen. That's not what forgiveness is. In a second, we're gonna talk about what it is. But first, I wanna establish, if you are a follower of Jesus, and I mean a Christian, you are commanded to forgive continuously, to forgive when people sin against you. What, what do I say if you're a Christian? Candidly, there's a lot of people who have the title of Christian. You may say, man, I'm a Christian. But if you don't live out the lifestyle of forgiving, it may be that you are not a Christian. 
Jesus, all throughout his teaching, says, hey, this is what's going to mark my people. In fact, when he teaches on prayer, he's like, here's how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He goes through the Lord's Prayer. Inside of the prayer that he says, here's how you pray. Forgive us our debts as we forgive other people. That it's at the heart of following Jesus is I am continually called to forgive people in my life. The first idea and the first reason is why, because Jesus commands it. And when do I forgive? Every time someone sins against you. Here's what that means. Every person around you right now, every person you've ever met is a sinner. Myself, your mom, every person here, everyone you've ever met is someone that is gonna sin. And Jesus says, there's no end. When you ask the question, well, how many times do I, you know, allow the person who cut me off in the road, or the person who posted that thing on Instagram that I disagreed with, or how many times do I forgive my sibling, or how many times do I forgive my parents? How many times, and Jesus says, you never stop forgiving, that you are called to forgive continually. He's not saying to take abuse, and I'll explain why I say that, which people hear because they don't understand what the Bible means when it says forgiveness. There's a lot of misunderstanding about that. But I just wanna establish up top that he calls us continuously to forgive. The coworker that offended you, the friend that betrayed you, this is why cancel culture, the world that around us, somebody says the wrong thing, mentions, posts the wrong thing, makes a mistake, uh, you're canceled. For Christians, is sin because we're called to love people, and love bears all things, hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things. And it, for the world around, to cancel the latest person or whoever that is, man, that's just them fulfilling their job description. This is what people who don't know Jesus do. But for people who do, you and I are to be continuously forgiving, gracious, when people intentionally or unintentionally hurt us. It's pretty radical teaching. And if you're sitting there going, but you don't know my story and you don't know what he did, I don't. But God does. And he's the one who's commanding that. And he's doing so because he loves you. And I'll explain why I say that here in a second. But the first idea is that you and I are to continually forgive people. And why this is really hard is because there are some real deep wounds here. Some of you guys had your purity taken from you. And it wasn't your fault, but it's now a part of your reality. And God is not saying that's right or his desire, but he has called all of us to forgive. Some of you guys, like you just had bad parents and it wasn't right. And your mom still to this day, like she's passive aggressive and your dad's controlling and they just weren't good parents. And God didn't want that or desire that for you, but here's what you gotta know. You've gotta forgive them. It's a part of you healing. The person who introduced you, maybe like me, to pornography at a young age, and that played a huge, I mean, that shaped the next decade of my life. Part of you experiencing freedom from that involves forgiving. In my house, we'll, from time to time, you know, vacuum up, and everyone's seen, there's the big vacuums, and then there's handheld vacuums, and when you got little kids, you just bust these out, because it's a lot more convenient when they're constantly dropping Cheerios all the time. And I've noticed something about these small handheld vacuums. They have this small nozzle, and 
Particularly, like I said, when you're dealing with Cheez-Its and goldfish and all of that, something will get lodged inside of it. And you know what happens whenever you get something lodged, clogging up part of the suction on it? It decreases the efficiency of the vacuum. In other words, it makes it less able to do the thing it was created to do, less able to operate it its full potential. And not only that, when something gets clogged in there, it doesn't just decrease its efficiency, it makes it more likely that something else is gonna get clogged in there too and get stopped, unless you deal with it. And in words that I will fail to communicate, my heart for you, just as somebody a little further down the road, is that you would deal with it. There are things that are getting lodged in, and to use that example, it's not only decreasing your potential to be all who God called you to be, it's also increasing the likelihood of other things getting lodged in your heart. In other words, you're more sensitive. You're more quick to be offended. You have more things that are getting lodged in there because you haven't practiced the habit of forgiveness. Whenever I do somebody's marriage, and from time to time, people will ask and say, will you do our wedding? A question I ask every time two couples or a couple is in front of me, is there anyone that either of you have not forgiven? And almost always, it's either no, we have, or it's a parent. And I say as lovingly as I can, I cannot do your wedding unless you forgive them. Why? Well, first, because God commands it, but also because I'm gonna be a part of a wedding ceremony where you two are gonna promise to love and sacrifice and serve one another, and you hold bitterness in your heart, which makes you more likely to hold bitterness when he hurts you. Or when she hurts you. Because you know what's going to happen, right? That's what marriage is. It's two sinners coming together. As Billy Graham famously once said, what makes a good marriage? Two great forgivers. And so if you haven't worked through and you're holding on to bitterness, it's only going to continue to show up in your life. And God who loves you wants you to experience freedom from that. The first reason why is because we're commanded. And then Jesus launches into this story. And it's, it's a pretty profound story, but I'll recap as a reminder of it. He basically says, Peter, let me tell you a story. It's like the kingdom of heaven. We're talking God's kingdom, ready? There was a man, king, had a lot of cash. Lent it out to a bunch of people. One guy owed millions and millions and millions of dollars. In fact, other translations hold it that it would have been closer to a billion dollars that this man was in debt. This bro had hit Vegas way too many times and he's in debt hundreds of millions of dollars. And he goes and the king says, hey, time to pay up, bring me my money. The guy says, man, I can't pay it. And the king says, all right, well, we're going to sell him, sell his house, his wife, his kids, sell the cat, sell it all. We're going to get that money back. The guy throws himself at his feet and says, please, give me some time, I'll pay it. There was no amount of time where this guy could have ever paid that back. And the king says, you know what? I forgive you. I am having mercy on you. And the guy has got to be ecstatic. I mean, this is like, this is a better day than every student loan or car note in this room. Boom, gone. And he's ecstatic and he runs home and he runs out on his way home after being forgiven hundreds of millions of dollars. He sees, you know, old boy that owes him a few thousand. And he's like, hey, hey, where's my, give me my money. Give me my money. Grabs him by the throat. And the guy says, just give me a little time. Now the guy could have paid that debt back. He says, no time has him taken away, put in prison. And Jesus is saying that 
the king calls him in and says, after the enormous forgiveness of your debt that I gave to you, you would not forgive him? That's how you respond? Then you're gonna spend trapped in that debt for the rest of your life. Now what's the point that Jesus is making? Because then he says, hey, this is, all of my followers will not act like this man. The second reason why we forgive is because God has forgiven us. The second reason why as Christians, you and I are called to forgive, and this one is the hardest to wrap our minds around, is because of the enormous debt. That's the point Jesus is making. He's like, everybody that sinned in your life, no matter as painful as it felt, and it was real, and it was painful, it pales in comparison to the infinite debt that you and I have and have created against God. And God, through Jesus on the cross, said, I'm covering all of it. It is paid for. It is finished. And so for me to hold on to a grudge or hold on to bitterness in my heart towards someone else makes me like the servant. And Jesus says, my people forgive because they've been forgiven. The forgiven forgive people. The second reason why you and I are called or why we forgive is because of God's forgiveness in us. And I'm gonna unpack why that is so hard for us to understand, but why it's true. But first I wanna explain really quick what forgiveness is because this is where people get lost. They think, man, forgiving is forgetting. Forgiving is, is uh, pretending it didn't happen. Forgiving is dismissing. And so let me cover first what forgiveness is. Based on the story, it's a perfect example because Jesus says, here's what forgiveness is. It is releasing the demand for payback. It is releasing not the feelings, not the fact that it happened. It is declaring, oh, it's real and it happened. But I'm releasing my demand for payback to God. I am trusting that God and his word, which tells me that every sin and action and abuse and hurt, harm, will either be paid for by that person for all of eternity in hell or was paid for by Jesus on the cross. And I'm releasing the demand for payback to God. So forgiveness is releasing the debt, the demand for payback. And next week we're gonna walk through really, really practically how do you do that. But first I just wanna establish that's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not excusing sin. Forgiveness or sin is such a big deal that Jesus bled out on a cross for it. In other words, it's not pretending, oh, it just wasn't a big deal, don't worry about it. It is a huge deal. Sin is such a big deal, Jesus died. So it's not pretending that it's not a big deal. Forgiveness is not forgetting. In fact, it requires remembering. Because in order for me to say, you did this, it created a debt. You took from me. You took away years. I'm never gonna get back. You took away my virginity and then you cheated on me. You took away having a mom in the house. And I'm not pretending it didn't happen. But I'm releasing the demand for payback to God. It's not forgetting. In fact, it requires remembering because it's saying it happened. And I'm releasing and trusting God with that. Forgiveness is also not denying your hurt or your anger. You should be hurt, you should be angry. Sin makes God angry to see his children hurt. 
Forgiveness is also not conditional. In other words, it doesn't require the other person asking for it or to own their part or even be present. In other words, the idea, and this is a really common belief, is like, man, I will forgive them as soon as they ask for it. That's not a biblical idea. There's people in your life, they're never gonna ask for it. There's people you don't even know that you're offended by that cut you off at the airport yesterday and you're like, unbelievable, how dare you? And they're gone and it's still messed up the rest of your day and put you in a bad mood. And so it doesn't require the other person being involved. It requires you deciding, I am releasing the demand for justice to God. I'm gonna trust him with that. But this is Jesus' point he's trying to make. The motivation, the reason we forgive is because of the forgiveness God has given to us. That there's a far greater debt that we had that he canceled. He paid for. And now, out of an overflow of that, we forgive others. Paul would pick up this idea, and the New Testament picks it up, that we forgive following the example of Jesus towards us. This is what Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says. Be kind to one another tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Colossians 3.13 is even more savage. Here's what it says. Make allowances. This is so frustrating and relevant. Make allowances for each other's faults. There's going to be people in your life they're going to hurt you, going to offend you, going to frustrate you, going to let you down. Make allowances for their faults, Paul said. Forgiving one, anyone who offends you. This culture is sick. And the, a number of things that are offensive to people. And Paul says, you are to be quick to forgive anyone who offends you. Am I saying that being offended is invalid? No. I'm saying we live in a world that especially coming out of the recent season we've been, everyone is offended by everything. And as Christians, we've got to be able to say, hey, even when I'm offended, I'm choosing to forgive you. Forgiving anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. In other words, the motivation for forgiving someone doesn't come from looking back at the past and how dare you. It comes from looking up at the God who forgave you and forgave me. Now, the question is always, how is our actions created an infinitely greater debt than what happened to me? I mean, there's some real, real trauma that has happened in the lives of people in this room. And you're telling me that me looking at pornography or me sleeping with my girlfriend or me getting drunk a little bit too much is a greater sin against God than some of the worst events that I could have imagined happened to me at such a young age? How can that be true? The Bible tells us God is holy, perfect. A sin against him is a sin against someone who is of the highest and greatest authority and honor. And even in our own society, we recognize that a sin against someone, the consequence for that sin or action is directly related to the person sinned against. What do I mean by that? Now you come down front and you lie to me about where you went to school and you're like, yeah, you know, I went to Harvard and you really went to like, yeah, you know, some technical, I'm gonna insult somebody by whatever I say there. 
you really went wherever you went. And I find out, I'm like, that's just weird. Why would you, I mean, uh, why would you lie to me? You look in the eyes of a federal judge and you lie to him? That's called perjury with a five-year prison sentence. We understand that the sin against someone, the consequence for that is directly related to the person sinned against. If you come after the porch tonight, you go to my house in my front yard, you trespass on my front yard, I'm gonna just be again perplexed. First you lie to me about the Harvard thing and now we're doing the yard thing. And maybe frustrated, but if you trespass on the White House front lawn, you are gonna have a sniper coming after you and face prison time. Because we recognize the level of authority in the person being offended has a direct correlation to the consequence there. And the same with the infinite, holy, perfect God who every person in sinning doesn't just sin against another person, they sin against God, the scripture tells us. And God was so madly in love with you despite the fact of all the enormous debt that you paid. He didn't just cancel the debt by waving a wand like the king in the story. He said, I will cancel the debt by giving my own life for you on the cross so that every enormous debt that you have would be paid for and canceled. And now as a follower of Jesus, we extend forgiveness to a world because we've been forgiven from our God. And the second reason, and the reason why you and I can forgive is because of the forgiveness that we have received in Christ and have been given to him. Finally, he goes into really, I think, one of the more important reasons why we have got to forgive, the way it's going to shape the future of your life. At the end of the story, we're told that the king comes and he grabs a man and he says, you know what, if you're not going to forgive that debt, you're going to be, and you're going to go and be imprisoned. And when you read the story, you're like, what is the analogy? What is he trying to say? But when you think about it, it's a pretty perfect analogy. You know what holding bitterness inside of your heart begins to do? When you're angry and you hold frustration, and, and it, it's real frustration and real hurt that happened. It wasn't right. When you begin to hold that in your heart, it begins to put a prison on you. It begins to impact the fact that you can't forgive yourself. And so the reason why you think that you're damaged goods and you could never end up dating somebody like that is because you look at your decisions and your history and when it comes to forgiveness, you haven't even forgiven. You can't forgive you. And then... Someone comes along in life and you, know, you dated this guy or you dated this girl and the way she treated you was wrong and you got hurt. And in response to that hurt, you just begin to put up walls. And all of a sudden now, man, I just don't trust men. I don't just trust girls. And you've created all these different walls and that bitterness that got lodged, it's impacting your ability to have healthy relationships. Maybe it was a friend that came up and like they, really, they betrayed you. They were a bad friend and they really hurt you. And now you just, you kind of wall it off and you're like, man, I'm, just, I'm not getting hurt like that anymore. And you holding on to that bitterness is holding you back from having real, like real relationships and friendships. Like somebody came along in your life and 
They, I mean, there's just a million different things that if you want to experience healing, you've got to go and you've got to decide, I am going to forgive this. And next week we're going to walk through exactly how to do that. But you were made fun of when you were in middle school. And that created an insecurity in you where you never felt enough. And, and you began to turn to pornography. And maybe you're a girl and you've never told anybody because you just think, man, girls don't struggle with that or I can't be open, which is not true but you can trace it all the way back to somebody made some comment about you in the way that you look and you felt inadequate ever since. I mean, there's a thousand of them. Parents, that your dad was always working or your dad was never even there or he hurts you or you grew up and you were embarrassed about your home and somebody down the street, they made fun of the house that you lived in and you know what happened? Something shifted and you went, I'm, I'm never gonna be that again. I'm going to work, and now you work, and you work, and you're building your business, and you're climbing that ladder, and you're doing it because some little eight-year-old snot-nosed kid down the street made fun of your house? And I'm not trying to invalidate any of that. I'm just saying, how long are you going to live in the shadows of that hurt and allow that to fuel who you're going to be, who you're going to become? And God is saying, you have been invited to forgive and release that debt, and you can trust me with that. The third reason why we forgive is because holding on will hold you back. This man is thrown in prison, which is such a perfect picture. Like he's, hey, if you're not going to forgive, you're going to live in a prison of your own making. And it's going to shape your life. And it's not hurting the person that hurt you. It's hurting you. It's been well said that bitterness is drinking poison and hoping it hurts the person who hurt you that it's a toxin that's invading. And there's so many different ways that it is shaping who you are. Somebody, I mean, just trace, there's so many analogies, there's so many examples of this. And I'm not trying to be insensitive and I'm not trying to invalidate it and I've had to go through and still am working through and constantly have to work through my own hurt. And God says, if you want to experience healing, it's going to involve forgiving. A friend of mine, Hunts, lived in a farm growing up and he was out in the country and they would have these raccoons that would come in and they'd just eat crops that they would have. And so they figured out a way to trap raccoons and the way they would do it is they'd hollow out a log and then they'd drill a hole in that log. And they would place a shiny object inside of the log and a raccoon would come up and they would reach their hand in that hole, seeing the shiny object, and they would grab it. Only problem was the hole was only big enough to get the hand through, not to get it out. And the next day, my friend would show up and the raccoon is still holding onto that and he can't let it go, he can't get out. If he was just willing to let it go, he'd be free. But he doesn't understand that. And so holding onto it is what's holding him back. And the same is true with hurt, bitterness, and the things that you've walked through, and they were real. And God is inviting you, and our hope in this series is don't suppress it begin to address it, and maybe the biggest, most courageous thing you can decide tonight is, I don't know how to do that, which we'll cover next week. God, I don't even wanna do that. And maybe you decide, I'm just gonna pray, God, will you give me the desire to give them what they don't deserve, which is forgiveness? Because you gave it to me. Will you give me the desire, God? Because I don't want, have that, I don't want that, but I don't want holding on to this to hold me back. The other reason demanding payback is impossible 
is it's impossible. Here's what I mean. How does someone pay you back for being an alcoholic father who hurts your mom in front of you and your siblings? How do you pay that back? How does someone pay you back for the fact that when you were eight, you went down and you slept over at a friend's house and his cousin was there and in the middle of the night, he came in and you were abused and it was wrong and it began to impact and shape your life. How does someone pay that back? How does someone pay back the fact that you guys slept together and you got pregnant or she got pregnant and one of you decided, man, I think we should get an abortion and you just felt all kinds of pressure and, and now every year around what would have been the birthday, you think about that and you've thought about it for six years and you, you carry shame. And How does someone pay you back for that? And God is saying, they can't, but you can release that to me and know that every sin will either be paid for for all of eternity or it will be paid for on the cross. And it wasn't right. And God's heart breaks more than any person and any parent in this room breaks. But what I want for you more than anything is you to experience freedom. And why we forgive is because it's commanded. It's because God has forgiven us of a far greater debt. And because holding on to that is only going to hold us back. Like, throughout life, we go through life... And- and so much of our soul gets impacted and somebody offends us and we decide, man, I'm gonna hold on to that and I cannot believe that they would say that. And my best friend in high school all of a sudden betrayed me and I just begin to hold that and I'm beginning to carry that weight and then life continues to go on and something else happens. And I decide, you know what? I'm not dealing with this anymore. My dad wasn't around. I'm not gonna do that. And you begin to carry weights. No one can see him on the outside. But they're weighing your life down. And they're gonna impact the future of who you are and who you're gonna be. And then you go through more and you get into college and there's all kinds of things that showed up at college where all of a sudden that girl you were dating and the friend that you had and piece by piece you begin to pile on and carry and carry. And you know what? Scripture teaches it's too heavy for you to carry and you weren't meant to. And God has gone to great lengths to give you freedom And our world does so little training and talking about what it looks like to forgive. If anything, we encourage it and we validate it. And what my heart for you in this series is that maybe you just begin to go, God, I'm not gonna live like everybody else and I wanna be free. And I don't wanna carry this into the next relationship. I don't want it to shape the future that I'm gonna have. I don't want it to shape the parenting that I'm gonna be. I don't want it to shape the life and the woman and the man that I'm gonna be. And the most courageous thing maybe you can do, because maybe you're not tonight ready to say, man, I, I am choosing to forgive. They took that from me. And they don't owe me anymore. It's to say, God, I want to want to forgive. Will you help me? Will you by your spirit, will you help me? God, I want to want to forgive, but if I'm honest, the pain is so real. I don't know that I can. And it won't be easy, and it won't be a moment. If anything, it's gonna be a process, but freedom is possible. Or you can just keep carrying it. 
and no one will see it on the outside. But just like something left over from the past isn't going away, it's not going away. Let me pray. Father, I pray for friends in the room who have been so hurt by people in authority who are supposed to provide and protect them, had events happen to them that they wouldn't have chose and it has shaped so much of their life. And it wasn't fair and it wasn't right. I pray that you would stir their heart, that maybe they would just say, God, I, I don't know that I can, but I want to be able to forgive. And I want to have the desire to want to forgive. And so will you help me? And I pray that your spirit would work in a mighty, powerful way. Would you set free which is what you say you do. You say where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so there's places in all of our hearts of people who have offended us and hurt us big and small in ways that have impacted us. Would you allow your spirit to bring freedom and healing to some of the darkest crevices, the things that we never told anybody about? And I pray for anyone who is at that place of going, man, I, because of what you did for me, Jesus, and you paid for my debt, I am choosing not to hold what they did, their sin against them, that it was paid for, that you would give them the strength to release that. And when those thoughts and feelings pop up again, you'd give them the strength to release that and to entrust that with you. It's far too heavy a thing for us to carry. We worship you now in song, and we make room and invite you into our hearts and into our lives. Would you have your way, God? Amen.